Gonna talk neat meat on Better Buddies. And welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, it's James. Hello. 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 How are you doing this week, RJ? I'm doing well. And yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I am I am tired, but I am good. So that's kind of my natural state. Nice. Good is good. Bad is bad, but good is good. <laughs> Well said. Thank you. Uh, Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week. How often do you eat meat every week? How often do you eat meat every week? Probably like every day, honestly. I usually have like some kind of turkey or my dad will sometimes send me like summer sausage. Mm. I'll have that for sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's not like I don't have to, but it's part of my regular diet. diet. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I uh I I'm in that same camp of like it's not like I'm like, "Oh man, I got to get me my meat. I got to mm-hmm. eat my meat." It's just kind of like, "Yep. That's uh just part of the food I eat." Like usually as a component in my lunch. It's usually a component of my dinner. Um, trying to think of the last time I had a meal that didn't have meat in it. I mean, like, I know I've eaten pancakes once in the last year. I've been eating it recently because I just haven't gone out and bought meat. Um, I've been making, like, rice with vegetables, potatoes, and, like, peppers that I made in, like, a pan and stuff like that. So. Nice been that but uh yeah i usually what's your favorite non-meat food favorite non-meat food yeah well, that's cheating it's pizza oh is it real oh that's a good one like come on any the vast majority of like foods that you would eat mm. that would contain meat a lot of them you don't need like you can still eat without the meat like spaghetti uh you can do tacos you can do burritos. You can do pizza. Um, some sandwiches are a little bit harder, but it's it's doable. So it's just kind of one of those like. Yeah, that's true. I mean, vegetarians get around, James. Yeah, yeah, they do. They they've figured out how to make it work. Would you ever go vegetarian? Um, or vegan. Definitely not vegan. Fuck that. You fucking dorks. Except for those people who are required to do to their body's uh, inability to process certain foods. But... <laughs> nah. Because... Like, I could probably survive vegetarian. Like, and a lot of the, like, Mexican foods I like, I could swap out the meat for, like, black beans or... <clears throat> that kind of... Or, like, throw some mushrooms in instead. Because mushrooms are a pretty good, like, filler replacement. Um, but it'd be one of those things where it's like, all right, I can't eat any kind of meat. Cause like, 
One of my favorite pizzas is a chicken bacon ranch pizza. Mm. And like, I like my Taco Bell. And mm-hmm. I can do black beans instead of the meat at Taco Bell. But it's not the same. Yeah, that's true. Meat does have that extra oomph to it. Do you think it's morally wrong to eat meat? Nah, fuck that. Why? If it was that morally wrong, would they eat meat in nature? I think not. It's a pretty good argument, honestly. Like, it's the kind of shit... If, that shit pisses me off so fucking much when people... It's <laughs> it's less common now, but for a while it was the thing that was like, Oh, my dog's vegan, or my cat's vegan. It's like, fuck the shit it isn't. That's yeah, not how your think, animal works. Well, I just, I think, I definitely think, I think that it's one thing to do that for yourself. It's another thing to do it for something else, especially for an animal. Like, I mean, maybe I'm not going to rule out the possibility that like animals can't have some kind of adaptive diet, but it's very uh, dangerous. Yeah, I just think. Like, especially because the two prime candidates, cats and dogs, are canine. Like, carnivores are, like, primarily, eat, like, their wild counterparts are all meat eaters. None of them are foraging for berries. That's very true. Mountain lions don't really graze. <laughs> no, they do not. And, like, wolves? I ain't never seen no wolf decide, ah, oh, you know what, this week I'm not gonna eat that deer. I'm gonna, there's these nice, uh, nice mushrooms <laughs> over here. I'm just gonna grab those instead. That'd be something. They, that's a that's a movie. That's a little kids movie about the wolf who wanted to eat. Um, oh, I was just gonna say it's called Zootopia. It is called Zootopia. It is. It's also there's another. There's a lot of. Um, well, that's the plot of like Shark Tale, right? Uh, shark Tale. The one shark doesn't want to eat fish. Doesn't think it's right. Um, I never saw Shark Tale. Oh, really? Oh my gosh. I remember there was that section at the beginning of, like, the car wash. Yep, where they're washing the whale. Dude, I had the Game Boy Advance game, for sure. I don't know who gave me the Game Boy Advance game for Shark Tale, but um, I had it, and I played it. Was it any good? Uh, It was a basic movie to video game. Like, um, I always remember when I played... Yeah. Yeah, like a plat- yeah, platformer or side-scroller. Like, I remember when I played those games as a kid, what really got me more than, any, more than the gameplay was, like, the colors. I just really liked the colors and, like, the designs, and I liked watching them move. And then I got looped into, like, wanting to beat each level. I had the Incredibles Game Boy Advance game. I had a, I had a Madagascar DS game, I remember. You were really um, on those movie adaptations. I really did. My my parents really kind of kind of got those for me. Um, I think it was just something too where it was like easy. It was like, oh, we took him to a movie and like he really seemed to like it. And um, you yeah. know, uh, uh, so you know, we'll get the game for him because he likes video games. It's kind of weird. I'm having this memory come back now. Of, like I saw. I saw The Incredibles in the theaters with my grandma. Really? And I never got to talk to her about what she thought about that movie. Huh. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I got to. But, like, thinking back on it, I just, like, wonder. I wonder what she thought. I wonder if she even cared. But 
I thought it was cool. Yeah. She probably cared. She cared enough to take you to the movie. That's true. I just feel like, though, like, I've had some people, uh, my stepmom has said this, actually, and I think it's very sweet. She said that she would take, like, her kids to the movies because she, she liked watching them, like, more than she liked watching the movies. Um, do you have any, like, early movie experiences like that where you, like, when, like, your grandparents took you to a movie and, like, looking back on it, you're like, oh, that's kind of, like, funny that they were in that movie? Um, no. Mostly because I didn't go to the movies a lot. Uh, as a kid, I really had a problem with sound. Like, it was too loud in the theater. I hated it. Really? It was really? awful. I oh, yeah. I hated fireworks. I hated movie theaters. Like, it was only probably, like, fifth grade going into middle school where I, like, just started toughing it out. Particularly <laughs> thanks to you. <laughs> why is that for for a while there every birthday party of yours would be let's go to the movies we went to see oh. uh freaking happy feet we went to see um shit something else bolt like and it was well fuck i gotta go to the movie <laughs> to hang out with james oh my god that's so sweet so RJ. i would sit there <laughs> with like my hat on the entire time, and, like, my fingers shoved into my ears, and over time just kind of got used to it. I almost think I kind of remember this. I think I kind of remember that, like, a little, uh, like, a little bit. I don't remember going to see those movies. I do remember for one of my birthdays, we went to go see Fred Claus. Uh, we also did B-Movie. That's how I saw Are the B-Movie. Are you serious, dude? Yep. I don't remember any of these at all. <laughs> well, the only reason I remember is it's the only way I saw the fucking movies. <laughs> That's None so of them, funny. I never watched those movies at any other point. You know how amazing it is that we got to see B-Movie in the theaters? I mean, let's look That's... up B-Movie to verify, but I'm... I bet you dollars to donuts. Oh, That's so funny. November 2nd, 2007, B-Movie was released. Yeah, definitely, definitely within the range for sure. Yep. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Did you, were you at the one birthday party where we went to go see The Corpse Bride? Did no, you go to that one? I did no? not do that one. That one freaked me out a lot. Why do you think I didn't go? <laughs> I, I... I was not one. I'm still not one for scary movies. Even like, even in some kids' movies, if there's like going to be a jump scare, I get like a little freaked out. Um, yeah, I ain't yeah. about it. Ugh. But when, how do we? Oh, right. That the one scene. I think it was going back to. I loved Toy Story as a kid, but Toy Story came out, and I want to say '96. Mm -hmm. And my parents mm -hmm. saw it when they were like when either my mom was pregnant with me or like just before they started trying for kids and they thought it was a cute fun movie and so i ended up like i got it on vhs and loved it whatever and then toy story 2 came out and i want to say it was my aunt took me and my sister to see toy story 2 and unfortunately toy story 2 opens with the buzz lightyear video game where Buzz Lightyear is up in space and then screams down through the atmosphere. Oh. 
<laughs> so, like, being a young child, that was a very loud noise in a very loud theater, and I was oh, not amused. Poor RJ. Oh. That is yeah. such a good opening, though. That is such... That opening is amazing. Like... Oh. Did you... So do you, like... When was the next time you went to watch, like, Toy Story 2? Did you get it on, like, VHS or something like that? Um, or? I remember there was one time where I ended up staying home from the rest of the family going to visit somewhere because it was gonna be on TV. Like, ABC mm. was playing Toy Story 2 on television. And I went over to the neighbor kid's house and stayed over there and watched Toy Story 2. That's um, awesome. And then there was one year where, like, the family got the... Like, and then with Toy Story 3, like, that came out and was being announced, and I was hyped for it. And it was, I want to say, Father's Day weekend? One of the, like, minor holiday weekends. Uh, our family just went out to see it together. That's cool, though. Yeah. So, yeah, I eat meat pretty often. <laughs> Me too. Our next segment, Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Do you want to start or shall I? I can start. I got I got one. Um, I recently uh, finished a book. Oh no, can you oh, no. hear me? Oh shoot, sorry. My monitor just went down. Uh, I recently started a book. Um, or I finished a book uh, that my mom gave me for Christmas. And it is not the type of book I would usually read. It is, it's kind the of Kama like... Sutra. Yes, my mother gave me the <laughs> Kama Sutra for Christmas. Um, I apologize to you and your mother for that joke. You know, you're fine. <laughs> um... No, she did not give me that book for Christmas. She gave me... It's basically... It's kind of like a... Uh, it's kind of like a Catholic Christian self-help book, I guess. Okay. It's, honest, it's, it's like a book of little personal philosophy. And it's called Falling Upward. Uh, it's by this one writer who is a Franciscan... Uh, priest and i don't know if he's still like in the church or not for sure I, I don't know for sure i know that he was one for like 40 years or something his name is richard Rohr, um r-o-h-r right but he looks very sweet um he's kind of like bald with glasses and a beard and stuff like that and the book uh again it's really not the type of thing i would usually read but um She's talked about it before, and I'd expressed an interest in it, so she got it for me, which was very sweet of her. And it's basically it basically just talks about um, in this guy's personal belief uh, the idea that like there are two halves of your life, and they're not really delineated by like chronology, like age. Um, they're more delineated by like a sort of like experience that everyone uh, he believes goes through. And in like this first half of your life, you're kind of like 
really into your own story. Like you're setting everything up. You're like, you're setting out to achieve all these goals and, and all this stuff. And again, this can happen at any point in your life. And then eventually you come to like, you come to like an end of that usually. And sometimes it's a pretty like hard end where like, or it's maybe just a bleak one where you like feel kind of like empty or you run into like a roadblock or something. And it just makes you completely like reevaluate and rethink your life. And he talks about how the second half of life uh, involves what he would call sort of like a falling upward where it's like the more mistakes you make, like the closer basically you get to God or to put it in like more secular terms, like basically the more mistakes you make, like the better you get ideally at learning from them and that these are like revealing things to you about like your personal habits and choices. And eventually you can learn to like make a certain peace with these and kind of become like not only kind of a more whole version of yourself, but you can become just like a more, you can become more for the other, for other people in your life as well. And it's a simple message, but I do find it to be like a very sweet and um, sincerely put one. And I enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. Interesting. With, uh, so you say this is kind of like Christian Christianity, Catholic, mm-hmm. what have you. How much does the book dive into that aspect? He couches it in like the language of like, oh, like God reveals this stuff to us or you can be challenged by this and that in your faith and blah, blah, blah. But it's it's not it's more like using the language to explain a truth than it as a sort of framework to deliver meaning through rather than like um it being a more sort of uh, hard line, like um, yeah. kind of do- doctrinal sort of message. So I definitely get for people who are more like hard, like hardcore um, or more sort of like studied in the texts where they would disregard him as sort of like a, uh, just sort of like a watered down, like preacher essentially. Um, I think there's value in what he's saying, at least for like the average, the average person and for somebody who maybe wants like a little bit of a break, but they want it. They want a break from like super intensive texts, but they want, they still want like a sort of like meaning or message delivered through a language they're familiar with. Hmm. So, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's very uh again, it's it's very sweetly put and and uh a pretty quick read too. So How are you feeling about I it so far? Are you getting something out of it? I finished it. It's good. It's really good. It's um it kind of comes to kind of like a a a, a more abrupt end than I thought it would cuz I always do this sometimes where I forget that like the, there's a bunch of like notations uh-huh. but these footnote these footnotes don't take up the the actual bottom of each page they just he put them all in the back so i thought there was more to the book than there was he went with like an apa mla citation versus chicago yeah look at you whipping out your (laughs) your citation knowledge i wouldn't even i didn't even know the the terms i'm pretty Um, sure chicago is the one where you put it underneath because i only had to use chicago like once 
he he used the the APA MLA then, and he uh, look at that. I learned something new. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's I would suggest it again. It's like a pretty quick read. I think some people are going to get more out of it than others, but uh, uh, that would be my recommendation. Falling Upward by Richard Rohr. Still such a good name. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's really got one there. He's got a. He should either be like a. That's kind of like. It's either like a, a heavy, you know, like a like a. I want because that reminds me of a, a teacher I had in college, and I'm sorry, I'm put your name out there, but you know you're a public institution. Your name's on the institution website. Uh, Rex Hanger. Oh my god! So I just want Richard Rohr and Rex Hanger to like start a super team. Mm. Dude, that is such a good like private detective name, like a fifties or like yeah, like a fifties pulp novel guy. Yeah, Rex Hanger. Well, so what do you got, RJ? What's your recommendation? Finally. After far too many years of not watching it, when, like, good lord, why hasn't he watched it yet? I have seen Logan. Oh, I haven't seen Logan. Well, Wolverine's one of my favorite heroes, and it was one of the, it's the best X-Men film to have come out ever. Because it's actually good, compared to the last, like, decade of X-Men films. I thought people liked the ones with uh, Fassbender and McAvoy. Uh, the mileage declined as it went on. Hmm. Uh, for, uh, First Class got pretty good reviews, but because it came right in the heels of X3, nobody... It didn't get quite as big as it probably could have been, but I heard it was pretty good. And then they did Days of Future Past, which was a storyline in the comics that everybody really liked, but they made it kind of weird and continued their Wolverine-centric X-Men universe, because in the comics... They sent Kitty Pride back in time to go warn the X-Men. And in this one, they just have her use her powers to send Wolverine back in time to go warn the X-Men. But he's fucking Wolverine, so he wakes up in his body and his mind is constantly trying to heal itself against the intrusion of his future consciousness. So he kind of only half remembers what he's supposed to be doing throughout the whole film and ends up... But that, well, you get the awesome Quicksilver scene where he runs around the kitchen. And then the one after that was Age of Apocalypse, where, again, another great storyline where they just kind of took the name and did their own thing with it, which introduced, uh, oh shoot, it wasn't, was it Oscar Isaacs? It was. It was. Oscar Isaacs Apocalypse, who was really good. And we got more Quicksilver scene, which was good. But all the rest of it was kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, And then Dark Phoenix somehow still didn't. Like, the same thing they did last time they tried to do Phoenix, where it didn't really work out, and got panned, and no one really liked it. But in the meantime, the Wolverine series was X-Men Origins Wolverine, which everyone hated. And then they did The Wolverine, set in Japan, which a lot of people enjoyed if they saw it. But it teased the yellow suit at the end, when he had a briefcase. And then Logan came out, which was Old Man Logan except not old man logan the comic story just logan as an old man and the mutants are basically wiped out and it's him on a cross-country road trip with x-23 
but overall, Logan was really good. It, it got a lot of recognition. People said it was amazing. Uh, it got a black and white release as well. Mm-hmm. And it's very good. It's far enough out that spoilers. Um, they did two really good things to indicate like, oh, the, the this is what's wrong with the world. Because it's set in the future a little bit. One, Charles Xavier is going nuts and has to be heavily sedated. His mind is considered a weapon of mass destruction. And the implication is that his brain went off and killed the X-Men. Oh, that's yeah. Because, like, throughout the okay. film, he'll have, like, these seizures where he'll begin to seize, but it freezes everyone in a radius around him. Like, their brains ju- and their bodies just freeze and shut down. And they don't breathe. So it's implied that, like, he had one of these seizures with, like, a six, like, a 60 meter, ra- 600 meter, ra- meter radius or something and killed the X-Men and, like, a bunch of innocent civilians. Hmm. And Wolverine survives because his body heals against it so he can, like, push his way forward to the middle of it and sedate Xavier. So, like, he's been hiding Xavier, who is supposed to have been put to the death. Wow. That's pretty um, cool. I like yeah. that dynamic. The other thing, and it, it, like the, the official story is that Xavier died in it as well, and that w- w- Logan's just been hiding him. The other cool thing is there's, at one point they like visit a corn farm, and are told like, oh no, no, this is all just for corn syrup. They're like big mass gene, gene-specific corn, like genetically modified corn for corn syrup. And between that and the scientists that are chasing Wolverine... It's implied that they found a cure for being a mutant, and instead of trying to, like, set up clinics and stuff, they just put it in corn syrup. Which is in fucking everything. So, no new mutants were born, because being a mutant was cured, and Wolverine's healing factor has been fighting off the cure for the last 50 years or whatever, every single goddamn day, because he's fucking eating it. fascinating yeah what did you as a fan of because isn't it like isn't he he's like protecting a young girl is he like what's the basic premise so the basic premise is wolverine is old he's like a limo driver and gets hired out to people and stuff and that's how he's making his money um and a nurse from a lab in Mexico basically comes to him with a kid and says, hey, I need to get this kid to these coordinates. Uh, It's your daughter, functionally. Like, she's got claws. And it turns out that they were cloning and specifically... They were specifically using, like, specific mutant material to clone and try and create weapons, like, living weapons. And... The nurses, and they were doing it in Mexico to keep it off American soil, but all the nurses down there who were, like, helping take care of these kids recognized, like, these are children. They're just children. We need to help these children escape. So they all help the the children escape. And so X-23, Laura, is trying to reunite with the other children so they can escape to the Canadian border where they will be safe. And Wolverine is taking her there. That's cool. I like that yeah. kind of, um, that's a good, 
is so was the was the character retired cinematically after this or just Hugh Jackman's portrayal um the character was retired for the X-Men Fox films okay it was their last outing with X-Men as a franchise and then Marvel aka Disney bought Fo- Disney bought Fox which meant the merry band of mutants all went back under the MCU banner so they could start doing whatever they wanted with them hence Deadpool 3 which is getting greenlit and pushed forward by Disney has Hugh Jackman in it as Wolverine officially theoretically officially his last outing as Wolverine will be in Deadpool 3 hmm. originally Logan was supposed to be his last run as Wolverine but due to his friendship with Ryan Reynolds and the probably big paycheck Yeah. As as a like Marvel fan, especially as a Wolverine fan, like what do you think this movie did well? And do you think it's deserving of its like of the accolades? I think it's deserving of the accolades because it did one of the things it did really well was it stuck to the Wolverine character of he is gruff loner who thinks of himself as gruff loner, despite the fact that he's really a big softy at heart. And so like He's Wolverine, he's gruff, he don't, he's the best at what he does, and what he does isn't very nice, but if he was really that much of a gruff loner who could do whatever he wanted and didn't care about anybody, he didn't let Charlie Xavier die. And then, if he was really that much of a gruff loner, he'd left Laura behind or turned her over to the bad guys and said, fuck it, I need my money for my sailboat. And at one point in the film, they get derailed because a truck they're passing by gets run off the road by an automated, uh, automated shipping truck. And a horse gets loose, and they're like, alright, we'll help him with the horses. And they help him get the horses back, and then they stay at the farm. They went to the farm. The farm is like one of the few small independent farms left, and it's having some issues with its water. So Wolverine's like, alright, I'll go help you with the water at the pump house. And he goes out. And the, like, rich, evil tycoon guy comes out with his goons and starts threatening the small farmer. And Wolverine's like, ah, back off. And he cuts the shotgun in half with his claws. And he's like, ah, get out of here. Go on. Mm -hmm. And so it's literally just instance after instance of Wolverine saying, I am a big rough loner who I know I don't need anybody as he goes and continues to not be a big rough loner. (laughs) (laughs) Like, literally... The film is ending, like, spoiler alert, Wolverine dies. But he dies because his healing factor's been failing. And the kids, like, all group together. They're making the eight-mile trek they need to make to get to the Canadian border. When the bad guys show up and are about to get them. And they start rounding them all up. And Wolverine goes, ah, fuck. Can't let that happen. So he runs off into the woods. And starts slashing through the bad guys to save the children. When he very clearly could have just turned around and walked away. It's the hero we need. Love that. So yeah. And part of it too is like it's just very well done. Like the shots are good. The lighting is good. The, The way he's trying to like... He slowly warms up to fathering and mentoring... Uh, Laura is really good because at first he's just like ah 
This is a pain in the butt, but I need the money. Come on, get in the truck. But, like, early on, there's a scene where they're at a gas station. And she has no... She she has the same rage problems he does. So he's just like, no. Don't do that. You get one more. She's, like, sitting on one of those, like, coin-operated, like, things that just rocks back and forth like a horse. And she starts to get mad and starts, like, smashing the machine. And she's about to just slice it. And he grabs her wrist. She's like, he's like, no. He puts a quarter in. He's like, one more ride. I love that. Yeah. That's really, that's a great scene. So, Logan. Sorry, were you going to say something? Nah. Nah, I'm all good. All right. Yeah, loser. Oh, there's plenty more to say, RJ. Don't say you worry. It. Say it. No. Well, I there's guess there must not be plenty to... more than James. <laughs> Liar. I meant like I meant like conceptually. You know what I mean? Like objectively. Eh, no, I think that's it. I don't think anyone else on the planet will say anything ever again after this. You're right. We better make it good then. Fuck. <laughs> uh, uh, do you want to do a rewrite or how to be? I'm kind of feeling a rewrite. I'm kind of feeling a, a, a script pitch, honestly. Mm. All right. So I don't have a pitch, but I was thinking, given our conversation prior to this recording, Let's try and pitch. Let's try and come up with an idea for a Studio Ghibli film. Oh, man. You want us to do a Ghibli film? Ghibli film? Whatever the fuck film? Something something like that, yeah. I think think so. And not like a rewrite, but like a... Let's try and think of an original idea. Well, now you fucked me two ways to Sunday. I know, but... We've all got to turn up in church some way. I've only seen three of these, James. I know, but I've only seen I've seen a so I've seen a few more, so I can act as a resource and you can act uh as sort of a I'm the you're a barometer. Man. I'm the yeah, I'm the barometer exactly. against which we measure. Because the only yeah. idea I fucking have is a rewrite of let's take Toy Story and we're gonna turn this into a sci fi film about a like ranch thing where the toys are actually all robots that work on the ranch. But the ones specifically about Andy are the ones that are, like, entertaining the kid. And then the new model comes in. And then it's a whole thing from there. Oh, I actually love that. Like, Toy Story as a Ghibli film. But it wouldn't be, like, Toy Story, because it's not, they're not toys, they're robots. And they just want to get back to the farm where they're treated nice, compared to the, like, horrible, horrible farm next door that they got, like, accidentally picked up and taken to. Oh, and you know what happens, too, is, uh, well, what could happen, too, right, is, like, for branching out from this, so it's, like, that farm, there's a kid, uh, farm where the robots work, there's a kid, and the, like, one night, like, the inciting incident is the kid gets, like, taken, right? So, like, the robots that work on the farm have to keep working on the farm they're like sort of it's not like they don't have personalities but they're just kind of calmer and they're more like well this is the way the world goes like our job is at the farm but then the ones that are in charge of entertaining the kid are like 
partially like, well, it's like we have to entertain the kids, so we got to go find the kid. But it's also like, <laughs> like without the kid, we don't have purpose. But it's also like, no, they like they genuinely do feel like one of them or a couple of them at least have genuine like personality. Yeah, I would like a Wolverine one, like a big gruff one, who's like, I'm just doing this because it's my programming. I'm just doing this because, you know, oh. we like we're out of a job if we don't get this kid back. You know, like they're gonna turn us into scrap. Um, but it, deep down, he likes the kid. I want it to be a little girl too. Oh, it's gonna be a little girl. I th- I okay. think so. I think it should be. So. Here, but like Ghibli's not. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but my sense of Ghibli is like he does not like gross things. He does not like horror. I'm pretty sure there was one instance where, because I remember hearing a story of like some studio had him visiting and they were doing something with zombies, and he basically looked at all of them and said like, "You're garbage people, and I don't approve. I hate this." <laughs> that does sound like a very Miyazaki thing to say. He he's had uh he's had some kind of like um more grotesque things in his movies they're never like it's he's never as far as i'm aware done like something that's horror based but there's elements of spirited away that are a little gross there's elements of nausicaa gross one of his other movies that is gross is it gross but like is it zombies and shit like it's not like is it or is it just like it's goo it's like goo. It's like here. I'll show you. Like there's um, cause I think yeah. Here, here. Hold on. So this is in like his most one of his most famous kids movies. Is this gif right here of like no this no face chasing this girl down the? It's a spirit that begins to eat too much, oh, and he yeah, becomes that's like definitely doable. Yeah. So he so he'll do that. But the thing is too is like this is also like. It's funny because what you learn is no face is um, is what you've probably seen this before. He's like a calm dude. He's like the problem was that he had ingested something wrong or that like um, there was something that was making him sick or something. So um, she helps him and then he, you know, turns into this guy is just sitting next to her on the you know, on the um, on the train, on the little train right the plane, there, the bus, the car, the boat. Yeah, the little train, or he's like, you know, or he's just a little guy who's eating some some cake. Eat so, some cake. my ultimate point is that like Miyazaki or Ghibli will use like horror, but it is usually or some kind of thing like that. But it is it's usually, usually grounded more of a in something. Spiritual thing. It is, and it's and it's because um, like with Mononoke. They had the, like, evil pollution thing, mm-hmm. but it was not yep. like a, it was not like, ah, the undead have risen from the grave. It was just like, yeah. ah, the lepers are being cared for and taken in and seen as valuable. Yeah, definitely. Like, this is, this is somewhat horrific, like, that spirit thing chasing after him. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's the idea that it's, like, solvable and that often, in a way, it's, it's man-made. So... So I uh, yeah. I wonder, could we take this and spin it a little bit more towards a Totoro esque thing, where okay. we've got this fa- this farm thing that got the robots that work on the farm, 
Some have more personality, some have less. Kind of like the simplest, like the level of task they have to do adjusts simplicity to complexity. So like the mm-hmm. ones with more complex tasks actually have like sentience and personality. Um, yeah. Okay. And one day they look around and the child is gone. And they are like, oh, what happened? We gotta do something. We gotta get the kid. We gotta get her back. Can you imagine what the Mr. What, like what what Mr. and Mrs. will say if if we don't get her back? Like where she, if she's if they find out she's gone, and so they go off the farm and they're like, all right, let's go find her. And they go on their wandering journey trying to find her, only to eventually like loop all the way back around, and it turns out that because of their programming and everything, she just grew up. But there was a certain point where she crossed over from being child to adult. And their programming stopped recognizing her as the kid, and they're like, ah, fuck, where'd the kid go? Oh, my God. RJ, that's beautiful. I love that. I love that so much. Mm. And then, we can work in some of those themes that it seems like Ghibli Ghibli films use of, like, growing up and coming of age and the you can never go back and the trying to like survive on your own thing and like those sorts of themes of like yeah the robots out there they like the robot like she maybe there's like a, to- a scene of a point of view shift f- away from the robots when we as an audience realize this and learn this and it's switches to like her realizing like they don't recognize her see i honestly think i wonder if all like because obviously, I like I think that should happen at the end. Like I think honestly, the realization that she is like grown up, it should be something that happens. Like I think most of the movie should literally be them on this little kind yes. of like wandering journey, right? And it's like 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 you're saying, like it's like Totoro, so it's not like action packed. Like there could be exciting moments or something, but it's more but than it's just like wandering the... around. It's like, I think it would literally be like one day, like they, we see some shots of them doing what they do and we get introduced to like what their roles are on the farm of our main little cast. I think it's like three to four robots total mm-hmm. and like two to four and what they do and all that stuff. And then it's wakes up, like it's start of a new day, sun rises and they go do their tasks and she's gone. And it's yeah. not like commented on, but there is now a background like adult just like in the background of some of the shots and then it cut to the end of the film where it's literally like the last one of the last the very last things of the film is them is the realization whether it's them or her or the audience or what have you realizing that they don't register her as the same person well it could literally be too like the it could be the first part of the first act could be them um with her like entertaining her and helping her grow up like in the first part of her life and then the the ending bit one of the ending bits is like they're all gathered for her 18th birthday and she blows out the candle and then that next morning is when they wake up and they're like oh my god she's missing like she's gone um Mm. and it's because like she like if we're talking about a programming thing it's like literally like they had almost like a ticker, right? Where it's like, 
oh, once she turned that age, you know, like the program, it literally just like it was that arbitrary. Um, I like the idea too of them picking up like little companions in their little journey. Like, I don't think they, I don't think they should recognize it though, right? Like, I don't think they realize there's an age clock. No, no, and that's the thing too. Is it's it's like they shouldn't. I think it should just be like maybe the that ending shot. I just love the ending shot of her around them, and she blows out a candle, and the screen the screen goes like fades to black as the candle gets blown out, like with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they wake up like them waking up that morning, and in kind of like classic Ghibli fashion, it's the very like long quiet shots with like you know sounds of nature as they're kind of walking around and they slowly realize like they can't find her and we can have that like adult in the background um so that's the that end? person no that's the beginning oh i don't know why you i thought you this was being put at the end of the film yes no i'm sorry yeah in the in the in the first act it's like yes. them with her growing up and then they blow out the birthday candle and then it's like whew, they wake up the next morning and they're like, where is she? Where is she? And we can see, like you're saying, like the adult in the background and they're just like looking around and they sort of like make up their minds to like, we can't find her. Um, and I, I wonder if it should be that precise though. I think like you're right. 18th I, birthday yeah. is now you're a real adult. Like, Especially because so much, based again on my minimal understanding, a lot of the coming of age stuff in his stuff is like kids a lot younger than you think should really be coming of age come of age. Oh, that's true. That's really true. So, like, yeah, maybe it's like a fifteenth birthday or something. I think. I think. Like, yeah. I, I think even at the very least, we know like it's the the kid the kid and these robots. And she's growing up and one, I think you might be right where it might be better if one morning, like there's no birthday, there's no nothing. It's like one morning they wake up and they just can't find her. You know what I mean? Um, And then they go off and have this kind of like, again, a little wandering adventure. Uh, I do, like I said, I do think they should like pick up some companions um, like here and there. Because uh, Ghibli films are usually full of that. It's like you know, you go somewhere and you meet the you meet people in the world, and they kind of come and go. Uh, and I like that idea. Um, whether it's like uh, they meet like an, an old, old man like, at some point. I've decided. I this. think I think they should. I was just gonna say I think they should meet someone older, um, like a sage kind of of that type of figure. Um, but I also think they should meet someone who's got like a younger spark to them, but is like a young adult or something. Um, mm. Almost sort of like, maybe they meet like an older girl, like a young woman. And it's almost sort of like, I mean, it's not made like clear, but it's sort of like, uh, I don't know. For some reason, I like the idea that they almost like have this kind of like parallel last adventure with kind of i don't know how to put this where it doesn't sound like corny kind of almost like a future version of the girl that they that Mm. they grew up with 
Yeah. You know? But I also yeah, who, not who entirely... Are the robots going on this journey, though? Like, we got a big buff one. We got the gruff guy, big for sure. Um, we've got... Uh, we definitely need... You need your, like, regular, like, everyman protagonist robot, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. I think he's, like, have... mid-sized, kind of skinny. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of, too. Um, that's what I'm thinking of as well. I think you have, like, uh... Mm. I think you have one more. And I think it's... It's short. That's the classic trio. Big, big, medium, small. And... They're kind of the rough and ready one. They're kind of the... Not the gruff gruff, but, like... They're, like, the, the scrappy... The, the sarcastic it's the one that can have like a lot of physical comedy like they're the yes. ones that fall over they're like a little clumsy it's definitely like yeah because i think envisioning them uh, with a dynamic even though they're not but the dynamic of like three brothers i think is kind of funny um they're the three stooges <laughs> yeah basically yeah they're kind of like the three stooges almost um yeah and they go on this little like adventure and they meet some, they get into like some little antics here and there. Um, maybe they walk through the woods and they meet somebody at like a hermitage. Maybe they go through a village and they kind of like get to, I don't know, eat at a restaurant for the first time, like have food made for them, even though they can't eat. Um, yeah, I, I think it's one of those things. They go into the village and it's like, it's high enough tech, but it's still a village. And, like you said, they get the food made for them, and they're, like, having these very human experiences, but they don't really know mm. what to do about, like, they sit down at the table, because that's what you're supposed to do, they see everybody mm. else doing it, and everybody else orders food, so they're like, okay, well, I I guess we have to order something, mm -hmm. and it arrives, and they're like, okay, now what? Our mouths don't open. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like the idea, though, of, like, someone, like, one of the, like, a waiter or waitress in the kitchen, like, realizing it. Like, it maybe it's run by a family, or maybe it is it's just, like, a regular... It's run by a family, but the server is also a robot. <laughs> I like the idea, well, I like the idea of, like, the server being a human being, and they realize, like, oh, wait a minute, I should have realized, like, you guys don't eat this stuff, like, you eat this. Oh, and they come back with, like, I was thinking, motor like, oil, or... The, I was thinking, oh, see, and I was thinking it was, like, oh, the server is also a robot, and just, like... Proceeds with its programming of seat customer, serve customer, da 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 da. And then, like, somebody who, like, actually brings food out, like, the person who brings the food out realizes it because that's a real person. Oh, I love that. You're on top of this one, dude. You're killing it. That's a great little story beat right there. And um, then they get the, like, nice human interaction of the human going, like, what are you, what are you guys doing? You can't eat this. Yeah. Your mouths don't open. And they're yeah. like, oh. Yeah, I guess they don't. Um, now what? Yeah, and I think, I think, like, the guy, whoever does it, like, should wink. And it's something like, I, we got something for you. And they bring out, I don't know, like, oil or, you know, so, like, whatever yeah. they, whatever they eat. And they, they get to have, like, I think the, the story should almost be. just three phone chargers. Three phone <laughs> He plugs them into the cord on the, at the table. Oh, and they just get to... <laughs> they charge up. Ah, uh, full. Yeah. 
Um, at some point somewhere, we have to have something sit sprite-like. That's a requirement. That is kind of a requirement. We do need to have some little, like, creatures or, like, spirits. I definitely think, like, um, I don't know enough mm. beyond soot sprites, so you're going to have to save me on this one. Yeah, I was picturing, like, little green balls that kind of look like dumplings, and they have, like, four, like, little, kind of little legs that look like Tic Tacs, you know what I mean? And they're, like, um, you could call them, like, grass mites or something like that, and they're kind of, they're not, they're not pests, they're just sort of, like, these little guys that are kind of like around and uh, um, I like like if they sit down like for a little like for a little too long like a flower will open up their back and like bees will land on them and stuff like that and then they'll kind of like move on people can keep them as pets they like hang around anywhere that's kind of like lush um, yeah something like that I think something like that might work a little bit. I think that's kind of cute. Um, and uh, it can, like, take naps on windowsills and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, that's my, that's my contribution. Nice. I don't know what to call them. Yeah. I do, I do think, I do think the story should almost, it, that, like, it, it's not explicit, but the way I'm thinking of it is almost like it's like for the first day in their lives, they have a day off and they don't know what to do. Um, and they don't think about it like that. Yeah. But they basically get to do everything that you would do on your like time off. You know, it's like a vacation almost, but they don't realize it is because they don't realize like for the first time, it's not like they weren't living before, but it's like a different, a different side of it. I like the idea of like, these guys getting to try the side of life they've never had a chance to. Yeah. I think that's really good. Nice. Yeah. Oh. And then it, they, what, they come back home, right? I think they, realize... they, I think after their day of wandering around, they come back home like, oh man, we gotta, we gotta go back home. Like, what are we gonna, what are we gonna do now? Mm -hmm. And they have to grapple with the failure for a bit, and then, and then they find out like, oh, she like that. That's when we get the reveal of like, oh, she just grew up. Mm -hmm. I'd love it too if uh, she gets a visit from like her sister, who's older. Yeah, her sister. Her sister maybe has a little boy. Uh, I don't know. Or a little girl or something also, like that. Also, you gargling gravel? No. Are you talking about, like, what, that noise in the back? Yes. Fun fact, uh, in old New York City apartments, many of them are built were built, like, pre-war. So when you live on the top floor, you are subject to a steam-powered heating system. Oh. And uh, my, I basically have a, a little module in the back of my or in, in my room that uh gives off steam uh or not steam but it vents when the pressure gets too high 
which is what it's doing right now. So we can wrap this up because this thing is not going to stop. It's going to keep going. All right. Um, let's let's wrap this up then. So we we kind of got it right. Yeah. Like, yeah. There you go. We we did it, dude. Look at that. Woo. Look at us. Look at us. Well, uh, we're we're it's we can do a shorter one as we gotta remember when we started. So let's uh, let's wrap it up. Sounds good. James, thank you for joining. Thank you for having me, RJ. Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song "Living in the Moment" off the album "Cross Off Yesterday." You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. We are also on social media. Our Facebook is Better Buddies. Our Twitter is at BetterBudCast. And our Gmail is BetterBuddiesCast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love, and or war. Icebreakers if you want want us to answer them and questions you need advice on. And last but not least, be a better buddy. I see something really cool. No. Pretty sure. Pretty sure I said no. No. Why? What do you want to show me, James? What do you want to show me? I just, I'm showing you right now. Oh, damn. He's showing me. I was hoping, I thought we were friends. I, I was hoping someone would finally accept me, you know? Is it bad that the mustache is so natural I didn't think twice about it until I oh, realized, really? oh, fuck, he's not actually showing me anything. It's just him. What's new? <laughs> what is happening? I'm actually kind of flattered, honestly. <laughs>